0: whether it's worth uh trying to record when everybody's asleep in the house late at night if I have something short that I want to say and uh I'm just gonna try it and see if it works uh and what I wanted to do today is just a little briefing on the COVID-19 situation in India and I know that lots of you are following this and know lots about it but in case you wanted a briefing I thought I would present um, a little bit of what I've been reading about it uh, and uh, just give you a sense of, you know, what's happened and why it got so bad uh, in India. So first of all, the scale of the crisis in India is we're at 21 million, uh, cases total, according to Worldometer today, 230,151 uh, deaths. Um, and these are pretty much acknowledged to be on the low estimates. We're talking about 400,000 infections per day. And again, this is possibly low, uh, 21, 22,000 dead in a week. Um, but You know, maybe two times that, maybe five times that could be the real number. Um, As far as the health system goes, uh, critical care beds, totally full. There's no ventilators to be had, Uh, oxygen is short. Um, This is whether you're going to a private hospital or a public hospital, of which there aren't really public hospitals. Um, People are having funerals over WhatsApp. Uh, the crematoria in Bhopal uh, haven't been this busy since the Union Carbide slash Dow chemical gas leak. Indian Railways coaches have been turned into isolation wards. Uh, one priest told New York Times reporter Aman Sethi that he's burning 40 to 50 people per day at a crematorium. So, what happened? How did this happen? Um, you remember last year India had the most draconian lockdown in the world probably and one of the most sudden uh it was declared with four hours notice as if it was like some kind of operation declared to try to catch terrorists or something um, which there was no logic to it having such short notice Um, and it was incredibly draconian heavy police response uh and you know, as bad as that was, it did actually uh, have some benefits uh, in terms of breaking the flow, uh, you know, breaking the chain of infection, as they say. Um, but then, uh, after you know, some time under lockdown, uh, you know, the prime minister, the government relaxed the lockdown, so they kind of um, they kind of declared victory. They literally declared victory, actually. Um, And when they declared victory, that was the disaster because the victory they declared was based on the idea that maybe herd immunity had been achieved. But herd immunity isn't achieved through a lockdown. Herd immunity can only be achieved safely for this virus through vaccination. And that's when we get into um, vaccination, uh, India's vaccination, you know, conundrum. Um, which I'll get to in a minute. But just to give you a quote uh, in terms of declaring victory, um, the government said, you know, India has defeated COVID under the able, sensible, committed, and visionary leadership of Prime Minister Sri Narendra Modi. Modi told Davos in January 2021 that India has saved humanity from a big disaster by containing corona effectively. And so, but then after um, the lockdown was lifted, we had all these rallies, political rallies, electoral rallies, electioneering going on, Uh, the religious festivals, especially the Kumbh Mela Festival, which had millions of people, three and a half million people went to bathe in the Ganges River. Um, And, uh, you know, in some ways, um, you know, the government just went, Into this mode of like, we've beaten it. Um, You know, some people call it complacency. And whatever reality was telling the Indian government after that point was just, uh, you know, viewed as a problem for perception management. So instead of managing reality, uh, the government got really focused on managing perception. So, which is also where a lot of the Western governments have gone, like our government in Canada, or, you know, the US, the UK, um, seems to follow this idea that like, if we like, if we feel like following our, you know, the public health and scientific recommendations, we will, and if we don't feel like it, we won't. And, um, you know, If you're going to do a lockdown, you need income support, you have to feed people, you have to protect the people that are still working, i.e. in Ontario, for example, paid sick days. Ontario's also done these kind of short lockdowns, which are too short to really eliminate the disease. Um, There's been no kind of COVID zero um, green zone reopening strategy, which is, you know, if you haven't heard of that, I recommend that you look into it. It's basically like following the public health guidelines to their logical conclusion so that you can do what Australia or New Zealand or Taiwan or obviously China uh, managed to do, which is really break the chain of infection. And now, you know, New Zealand or Wuhan, they're having outdoor concerts with tens of thousands of people because they managed to eliminate the virus. Whereas, you know, places like Ontario, um, Quebec, or, you know, the massive crisis in India are happening where they declared victory prematurely, and now uh, they're back in a crisis. Um, In terms of managing perception, the government has resorted to outright lies. So the government lawyer, Tushar Mehta, said, nobody in the country was left without oxygen. Delhi authorities complained, and his response, which you may have heard, was let's try and not be a crybaby. Um, in terms of their perception management, they're trying to get people off Twitter who are complaining about them. They tried to get Facebook, successfully got Facebook to remove the hashtag uh, Modi resign or resign Modi. There's a pattern of coverups of data because perception management is more important, especially in this kind of context of India where politicians are always on campaign. And they're always on kind of right-wing, you know, the BJP is always on a right-wing campaign, which means it's always like a politics of hate. It's always a politics of resentment and blame um, rather than, you know, trying to deliver something, uh, you know, disease control. Um, And part of the electoral, perpetual electoral rally mode is literal rallies. And uh, Mm -hmm. Deepankar Basu for The Wire did some modeling and concluded that they did play a role. These big rallies, of course they did you know, you get thousands of people gathering together with no masks, no public health guidelines, and they become spread events. Um, But then the other important thing that I wanted to say is uh, this all takes place in the context of a privatized uh, health system in India that is running like other, like Western systems across the board. First of all, for private profit. And second of all, wherever there is any kind of public health system, it's always run on the edge of collapse. So like that's, that's my analysis of what's going on in Ontario is the public health system is always being cut to the point where it's just on the edge of collapse. And so when they're trying to run the ICU... Uh, you know, try to prevent the ICUs from collapsing. It's basically like a control system problem. Like, how close to collapse can we keep the system running? And that, um, it, you know, eventually you're gonna collapse if you if you try to if you try to run a system as close to collapse as, as possible. And every once in a while, you're gonna go too far or or not far enough. Every once in a while, you're you're you know sooner or later there's gonna be a collapse. Um, There was time, we've we've had this this going, this crisis has been going for more than a year now. The problem has been known for more than a year. There's been plenty of time to build more capacity. But in India, um, according to one estimate, 1.25% of the GDP is spent on health. And it's actually closer to 0.34%, which is very low, even for poor countries the World Bank figure is 3.54%, but the World Bank figure for like Brazil is 8%, 9%. Most countries are spending more, even poor countries. Um, So now just to conclude the vaccination story. Um, So India's vaccination situation is surprisingly bad considering that so much, so many vaccinations are actually manufactured there less than fewer than 10% of Indians have gotten even one dose about 2% have been fully vaccinated as of April 29th the U.S. has 30% uh, Brazil has even Brazil has 5.6% for comparison Um, the serum institute which is the main manufacturer of vaccines which is making about 60 million a month Um, Bharat Biotech is doing about 10 million. Um, There's a third company that's gotten an agreement with Russia finally uh, to start, but it's going to take a long time. And again, we're in a crisis where thousands of people are dying every day. So it's going to take months for vaccines to be manufactured and then to be delivered and then for immunity to take place. So a lot of these losses are already locked in. Um, you know, ideally they would have 150, 180 million um, vaccinations per month, but they're doing 60 million a month. Um, If you can't get your second shot, the first one is eventually rendered useless, right? So people are actually trying to get their second shot and not getting them. Um, So India is a vaccine powerhouse uh, before COVID it was producing maybe 55 million vaccines per year for routine vaccines right all the preventable diseases that are subject to vaccination smallpox polio etc so the Serum Institute has been producing AstraZeneca on a license and the idea was that it was going to produce it for the whole world but now that India's had this collapse all the vaccines you know can and should go to India but that means that Africa, which was relying on the Indian vaccines, is out of luck now. Um, and the vaccines are expensive. So, this patent, the question of the patent waiver is not necessarily for India in the sense that, you know, India's problem right now is an urgent need to manufacture much more. However, if other countries can manufacture, can get the license now with the patent waiver, um, then there'll just be more vaccine for everybody. So, holding it up for private profit, thanks to Bill Gates uh, and his lobbying has already cost many, many, many lives. And uh, the sooner this waiver comes through, the more lives will be saved, Um, the more lives will be kind of urgently saved here. So just to say a few, to conclude a few bad words about this COVAX scheme, which is been proposed by the, um, you know, pharmaceutical corporations in the West as an alternative to waiving the vaccine, you know, uh, patents. Um, COVAX is set to deliver, you know, one fifth of the needed vaccines by the end of this year, 2021. They're not accepting Russian and Chinese vaccines. Um, So, you know, uh, the intellectual property aspects of the AstraZeneca vaccine, for example, was developed at Oxford and it was supposed to be um, open. It was supposed to be made available without a patent, but then Bill Gates got himself and wormed himself in there and uh, decided that it would be done by charity instead. Um and the UK and Canada and the US are all objecting to the patents uh, being waived. So is Brazil, perversely, because Brazil needs it as much as anybody. Um, but uh, so this is like a classic, you know, what they call vaccine apartheid or vaccine imperialism. And it's putting this kind of intellectual property of the corporations in the US ahead of literal saving of hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of lives. And, you know, societies that need to get to that stage of herd immunity, um, which they're not going to do, including in the West without um, vaccination on a mass scale. So, um The last thing i think i'll say is that india does still have a clause i think it's called section 92 in its patent law even though it's gradually under us and and western lobbying pressure weaken these provisions but the reason india became the pharmacy of the world is because of this patent law which uh india gives patents for processes and not products so it was able to license people to produce generic drugs as a result of this. And that's, um, that's, what, that's what people are calling for now. They're calling for, you know, you can produce the treatments, you can produce the vaccines, you can do any of these things under license using this uh, patent law, section 92 of the patent law. So uh, app- apparently the Supreme Court is, uh, is asking Sharp questions of the uh, executive about why this hasn't happened, um, and yeah, hopefully things will move on these fronts um, so that so that India can get out of this immediate emergency and, uh, and get back to uh, get back to I don't know trying to develop and and uh, deliver. For the pe- for its people, which you know this government, this BJP government has not has been a, a far cry from showing any interest in doing. you know they've, they've done a lot of awful things uh, in Kashmir with the Citizenship Amendment Act with uh, you know blowing off the Punjabi farmers and their demands for um, some some, I guess, some autonomy, some fairness in the, in the food system, which they, the Indian government seems determined to hand over to major middlemen, uh, grain um, traders. Uh, So all of these kinds of initiatives that the government has taken have been in the wrong direction. And uh, the COVID handling of COVID has really uh, been a, the most extreme version of this. Uh, so that concludes my briefing on India and its COVID crisis. Um, and uh, I'll see you again if this uh, if this video turns out to be worthwhile. Um, I'll, uh, I'll do I'll do one of these every once in a while.